When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Hi Anna Hi Andrew And hey everybody else and welcome to our podcast, Scary, scary stories, stories to, to Tell on the pod. pod. It is a Scary Stories podcast about um, people who like to laugh, who also like to be scared. And it's hosted by two friends. And it's very chatty, not very well researched. <laughs> so if you're lonely or doing laundry, you found us. You're we home. are your friends. Turn that brain off. Let your motor skills take over. Just repetitive hand motions, man. It's good for trauma. It's good for not trauma. It's good for everything. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Dude. Um, yeah, so uh, we normally do um, stories from the Scary Stories Tell in the Dark books collected by Alvin Schwartz with drawings by Stephen Gamble. But this mm-hmm. summer, we are doing a little series that honors the films of a very spooky, very funny filmmaker and the series we like to call Summer Stephen Summers. Summers. Oh, God or, Stephen or Stephen Summers. Summers Summer. Or... Summer of Summers. summers. Stephen Summers <laughs> is summer. Can you tell um, that this episode we're del- recording remotely? Yep. After recording in person, not for Delta reasons, um, because I've decided that I can't get it, but uh, just <laughs> schedule. We're very busy moms. Very busy moms. And we are vaccinated, everybody. We are still being safe, but um, our yeah. brains have told us, in addition to our safe behavior, it just can't happen. Can happen all the time, um, and if if uh, if you're if us telling you to get vaccinated is what you needed, <laughs> then oh, go get well, vaccinated. But I'm sure, imagine, <laughs> I'm sure that either you're already vaccinated or it's not changing your mind. But you know, it's nice to feel smug. So Anna, we are now really kind of getting into an interesting portion of Stephen Summers' career. That is very true. We're sort um, of we're getting into the the ripples are drifting outwards. Um, <laughs> the scope is wider, but the impact of the ripple is uh, decreasing because um, this film we're talking about today was not written or directed by Stephen Summers. That film not. is called The Mummy, the Mummy <laughs> Tomb, the t- of, the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Emperor. That is really going to come out perfect and crisp, I think. <laughs> really? I think we synced it exactly right. <laughs> and I think whoever didn't like us before we did that likes us more now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, this is the the triple sequel, the third sequel. Mm-hmm. Is there a word for the third? A uh, threequel. Threequel. Andrew, that came out so naturally. Thank so you Hollywood. very much. I work in the film and television industry. <laughs> That's right. And you're the elephant scarer? <laughs> I I scare the elephants um, to make sure that they eat their lunch because yes. elephants notoriously, show elephants in particular, will not eat lunch. And it's like, listen, your body's your body. Don't starve <laughs> yourself now. You're just going to pass out and hit your head on a lighting fixture. Um, Anna, it is stunning to me. So this film came out in 2008. It did. Uh, and that was a good year for a lot of things. Um, yes. Houses. Oh, really? Everyone was really doing good, feeling good. Um, Mitt Romney. A young upstart named John McCain was just <laughs> Wait, I'm stupid. I said Mitt Romney. It's okay. Oh. Mitt Romney was alive in 2008. We didn't know where you were going with that. You if know? you're curious about the academic rigor of NYU, that just um, proved <laughs> it. It's worthless garbage. But um, we, uh, yeah, this is, came out. It, was, it premiered in Moscow wow. in July 2008. And was Moscow. released in the United States on August 1st. Now, now why, why would they choose Ma- Moscow, do you think, Anna? That's a really interesting question, Andrew. I, I started to do research on the production of this movie, and I had to stop because there was too much to learn. Yes. Yeah, this one, um, for whatever reason, is the Wikipedia is 
lush with information. It really is. People were talking by this point. Yeah. And this film, I mean, here's the thing, everybody. Um, Rachel Weiss did not return for this film. She had been saying that she was interested in returning. Mm-hmm. Um, but she uh, was not the wild about the script and right. had just had a baby. Yeah. And had just had an Oscar. Yes. <laughs> Which I I think maybe she would have done it if it was like, you know, really great part for her. And it's just not. It's not. And like, here's the thing. I've written things that are just a job before. And this is no (laughs) critique of uh, the screenwriters. It's just like, you know, it's um, the first one was lightning in a bottle. And this was a movie. And that's okay. And it is, once again... um, I feel like what gets lost in translation as we move along in the the mummy cinematic universe is that I feel like maybe producers get confused about what we liked about the first one. Yes. And instead they are tr- like this episode, it fasts forward uh, uh, seven or eight years. So we're keeping in the timeline. Yes. Um, uh, Rick and Evie now have a full adult son. His Alex from the last film is now 21 <laughs> years old. He's grown. And, and he and he tells us that he 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 does sex. He does sex and he tells that to his mother at a tender part in the film and I it we'll get there. But We'll get there. The Anna he signed on for three additional movies. Alex Ford? Luke Ford, who plays Alex. But the character's name is Alex. Yes. I know. It really felt like they were trying to have him take over the franchise, but <sighs> Brendan Fraser was not an old guy. No. It's a little rude. And also, in this movie, Anna, I mean, there's a lot to um, critique, but also, we get the most Brendan Fraser body out of any of the movies. This was not something I was expecting. It was a He's real game. showing off. Yeah. He was dehydrated on the day, and it showed. It is... It is alarming how what in what good shape he is in in this movie. I just don't think men should be in this good shape. I, I don't agree. think it should happen. <laughs> but we'll we'll get there. <laughs> so um, the basic gist of this movie um, it, it no longer involves Imhotep. It no longer involves Egypt altogether. Um, this is a film about uh, uh, ancient Chinese mummies, in particular the Dragon Emperor, played by Jet Li. We love this. Who was based on the real uh, emperor who was buried with the terracotta warriors? Right. According to the Wikipedia page. I don't know that that's what ended up in the film. Right. I know that that's what they intended. <laughs> I don't think that they're, again, like with the Scorpion King, he's based on King Scorpion. There right. was no guy who turned into a scorpion. Um, <laughs> there was this emperor, um, Han, mm-hmm. or the yeah, first emperor of the Qin Dynasty. Uh, I don't think he turned into a three-headed dragon or other creatures. (laughs) I don't know that he was a shapeshifter, but he existed. And in 2008, that was historical enough. That's what we needed. Yeah. And um, so it's the same old song. This ancient emperor, um, he wanted to be immortal forever. Um, He wanted to use this fount of immortality so that he could take over the whole world and make sure that there was no freedom, which he says explicitly. Yeah, this is something that gets kind of glossed over, but this guy um, enslaved a lot of people and made them build the Great Wall. Mm-hmm. And like, it's it's not it's not incorporated into the theme, really. It's right. just a plot point that gets repeated later. Um, which is weird that he becomes the mummy of this film because in the prologue, there is this like ardent lover of right. this woman who's like, he, the emperor wants to be with. And I was like, wait, I feel like what worked about the first mummy is that the ardent lover was then the villain. And then you're like conflicted about whether or not you're rooting for him. Right. But this guy was just straight up bad, bad the whole time. He has no romantic interest in the witch Ziwan who can give him immortality, who is played by Michelle Yeoh, who as always immaculate, elevates, perfect, actor. elevates, elevates. Yes. She elevates. This movie doesn't know what a gift Michelle is, I think. But she knows what a gift she is. Yes, my lord. And that is 
enough. Yeah. So he, I mean, it but just basically is he wants to live forever and um, this witch can help him do that. But the witch has yeah. an affair with his general and he's upset. It, it's not, it doesn't hook you. It doesn't. And like it, um, the opening is, it's like, it's telling you the plot of a movie, but not showing it. Yeah. Like it says that he mastered the five elements. Right. Um, that he has all of these shamans and witches and people trying to get him immortal life because he's defeated every enemy except that old enemy death, it which is, is like, that's yeah. not a death. Isn't an, and I don't know. Like we didn't get to see him as like a stubborn guy. Right. It was never personified as like, he's fighting his whole life and now he's fighting to get old. We don't see him get old. We just see like, a bunch of scientists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like it never was really connected to character, which was a bummer. And there's nothing trad. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing tragic about him. Side note, um, two of the elements that are listed in the five elements that he's mastered are ice and metal. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I do think that that was, uh, I-, I also was confused by that. And then reading the, about the initial script that these two writers wrote, there were all sorts of stuff that he did to bend the snow because there's an avalanche oh, scene. Oh, gotcha. And metal. I think like they had him using his powers more, which was not in the final version. I don't know what they shot or intended to do. Right. But he only shipped, shifted into two or three shapes. Yes. And then he he had like a torpedo arm, which was fire. And I guess he did some stuff with ice. He like, did. Yeah, he, he made stu- ice. He stopped yeah. the avalanche from happening. He like it's kind of like whisper winked that he like can control wind, but he makes icicle spikes. Like there are yeah. there are kind of the 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 cheapest CGI version of the things that you can do. Right, like the little things you can repeat. Right. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so he they, like the other mummy movies. It starts with this big historical. Um, prologue with a narrator. This time the narrator is a woman, which is feminist and we can all go home. Um, But yeah, it tells this whole story and then he wants her to marry him and he finds out that she's been sleeping with one of his generals. Yes, General Ming. General Ming. And then he gives her a fake ultimatum and says, if you marry me, I'll let him live. And she's like, you will never keep your word. Right. And then he kills him and she gets killed and then as she's running away she says i have cursed you and your army mm-hmm. or i put a curse on you and your army which is great <laughs> like, i love i love a curse over the shoulder it's just like a rude thing to do to michelle yo but also like she did it yeah. it worked she made it happen i don't understand this thing with um like in the first two mummy movies with imhotep and then with the scorpion king and then with han uh they curse the bad guy and all of his friends. Mm -hmm. And in the curse is that if they're ever resurrected, they can take over the world. (laughs) I'm like, just nix that part. The the curse was good. Turn him and the whole army into terracotta. Great curse. And that's what happened. And like, it's a little bit unclear. It looks like the, the, a little bit like a brown version of the black ink from X-Files. Like he yes. starts crying mud. Yep. It just looks like mud. It doesn't look like terracotta. I needed it to be redder. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, which and, – and here was one of my main arguments. Terracotta is not a mummy. That is that's true. That's a guy. That's a, that's a guy. That's a guy in a, in a ceramic shell. Yeah. That's like um, Raya, the, the dragon movie. Oh, yeah. The, the app. Um, um, so then fast forward thousands of years, we are in 1946. Um, Alex O'Connell uncovers the, he's the, he's the son of Rick and Evelyn. He uncovers the tomb, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of boring. Um, it's more like the white person is the key to unlocking the, the mysterious Orient. Oh um, boy. It really, it's like they need like later Evelyn and Rick are forced to read incantations that no one else can read <laughs> to uh, bring him to life. It's and like, it's are like, you sure? Do you know that you're in, you're in a massive country with millions of people? Like you who is guys renting gonna- the bill for all of this luring? Cause this guy has been like undercover working. There's like an older guy. Isn't it? Um, uh, it's Liam Cunningham from game of Thrones, right? Oh, is that him? Is that oh no, no, no. He's no, he's the pilot later. Yeah. There's this, a couple of. It's the old man, man who immediately, uh, Professor Roger Wilson, 
who yeah. um, is played by David Ian Calder. Uh, yeah. Like a the, lot of British credits. Yeah. There's a lot of um, older men in this movie, which is, you know, who, who, who is the intended audience? Yeah. Um, but so he's sort of been on a dig with Alex. Alex is like hiding from his parents that he's out in the field digging for basically mummies because his parents have forbade it. And don't worry, his parents are still super horny for each other and making out all over the place. This is, there, there really is nothing much to this incarnation of Evie except abject horniness for her husband. It really it the their character traits are we're so horny for each other which like i do prefer over spouting a ton of like i I would say that an improvement from here's one pro yes for this movie versus the mummy returns um it let us see um rick and evie as more tender with each other and Mm -hmm. more about their relationships with them and their son yeah and less spouting off crazy like, remember my past life? Remember my nightmares? What about my tattoo? Yes. Like, oh, that that's is, a very good point. Yeah. That's fun sprinkled on top, but you can't eat a bowl of chocolate syrup. It's no fun. Anna, and put that well, on a on a pillow sham, everybody. I should be charging $600 <laughs> for a five-hour class of what I just said. Um, no. But, it, yeah. So, in that way, I think it's nice. There's still, I, I would argue that, like, the relationship stuff is kind of rote and a little bit like not super lived in, but it's something. And we've learned that Evelyn has written two romance swashbuckling novels titled, uh, the mummy and the mummy returns. We're led to believe loosely based on her actual experiences with the living dead in Egypt, which I'm kind of like, how much do you have to fictionalize? You were horny with your husband in Egypt with mummies, you know? Yeah, the, just have it be you. <laughs> just, I don't know. I also like, I take issue with the idea that a woman who is likely to be a woman in the 1920s abroad mm-hmm. working in a male-dominated field in an environment where you could die is the same woman who is like a romance author. That's a really good point. That's a I, really good I point. I feel these are different women and like, I think that women who came up before um, feminism was fully a thing who work only with men would not then want to go into an all-female environment. I feel like she would be a professor who like graded her female students really poorly. I I Um, mean, this made me think, okay, this made me think that the direction to go with this movie, I'd say get rid of the sun entirely. Um, Wow. And I know, I know that every exec is turning over in their rolly chair, but, um, (laughs) I do think that we are here to, we are here to watch Evelyn and Rick and maybe have Evelyn be like, she's out in the field and Rick is kind of like, I'm a little worn out. Like maybe it would be nice to have some just time together. You know, because my whole life has been pretty wild. I was hung in a prison in the Middle East. I, you know, like I fought in the French Foreign Legion. I'm kind of ready to settle down. Um, because right now it's sort of like we're vaguely being we're vaguely being pointed in the direction of like they're getting a little older, you know. Are yeah, they- yeah. It's a little bit like I can't fight mummies the way I used to. Right. Which is another thing we'll hit that there's a lot of like these dratted mummies are giving me a damn H ache. That's short for headache. <laughs> I don't have time with all these mummies. I got mummies up to my eyeballs. It's also I don't buy. I mean, Brendan Fraser and Maria Bello are are especially Whoa. at the time like young, attractive, virile people, and I don't yeah. quite buy their like old person drag in a way. You know, I don't either. It definitely there were many things about this movie that pointed to. I know that they were trying to get this third movie made sooner. Yes, but I do think that it came way too soon, and it almost should have just been waiting longer to reboot the franchise if they were going to have a new action star. Like, oh yeah, Brendan Fraser is still like name above title. He's still the big star. Why are you replacing him in front of him? That's right. rude. Right. First of all, second of all. You just mentioned something that we really need to address because this was the only thing that I remembered about this movie. I had seen it in theaters. You had not. Um, 
Rachel Weiss is not involved. It's Maria Bello. Yeah. Um, and she's wonderful and she's a great actress. She's American. She is correct? American, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to say there were parts of this that were like delightful mm-hmm. about her. Um, but you said it best, Andrew, that like, it's really rude to box a leading actress into doing an impression of another person. Yes. This is the weirdest decision. Every other, like James Bond, Mission Impossible, the girl explodes and they get a new girl. <laughs> but like, I guess part of the lore about Rick and Evie is that they're this perfect idealized couple who are so horny and monogamous for each other. And they wrote the script to be Rick and Evie, and it's about their son, right. which I do think Universal was kind of counting on the idea of extending this franchise forever and ever. Um, so like, but I, uh, I don't know. I feel like, I guess if they're in the last movie, he resurrected Evie, they couldn't just kill her off because then it's like, why wouldn't he resurrect yeah. her again? Yeah, that and is like, a hard for thing. Them, yeah, for them to be divorced um, would be a bummer for everyone. Right. But I feel like if she was like, my work is in Egypt and he's like, I can't do that anymore. I need to be in England. And then his son gets pulled into a new mummy area. I don't know. But then it's like, why isn't she there helping? This is hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. The, and this, honestly, Andrew, this is an important thing we learned. You cannot do a mummy movie without Rachel Weiss. That, I really do like that. The, the proof is in the pudding. We've seen it. You can't. We've seen the pudding. You can't do it well. And it's like, I think that um, these writers assumed they got how to make Evie Evie on the page. And again, like you say, Maria Bell is a very talented actor. It's not fair to try to have someone mimic a character. And it's not even like they gave Maria Bello a new twist on this character. Um they have her say at one point, like she's at a book signing and the reveal of her is like, I'm a completely different person and it's a bummer. It's like, it makes it a joke, which I, I, I mean, look, I don't have a better pitch, so I right. can't, I can't say much, but I'm going to <laughs> like, it, it's already hard enough to figure out the best way to be an actress in something. Mm-hmm. But then if you're compromising that f- with, the best way to do not only an accent that isn't your own, which is really complicated because that removes you from your instincts a little bit because you're focused on like diction and stuff, but also like the mannerisms of a universally beloved film heroine. <laughs> like her performance was so one, like, it, I don't know. It, it was, it worked. It like held that movie together because there was so much like desert boyness that like having this soft, natural, sweet person was really I think helped make that movie such a a hit and she especially in the first movie like she's driving the action you know like like it's her fault the mummy comes to life and then she's like oh I really gotta fix this you know right um and in this one it really is just she's concerned about their son and his college studies she wants yeah. to kiss on her husband. There, another big plot point aside from we're so horny to be monogamous with only you <laughs> is that sh- they're a little bit bored. Yeah. They're, and they're like trying to convince themselves that they're happy to be in their giant mansion in England, which they've purchased with their hominoptera cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see her doing really dorky fake sword or no real sword fighting yes. on a, a desk, just entertaining herself. And I was like, that's not like when we see Evelyn in the first scene that we see her, she's putting books away. She's like working. Right. And she's a klutz. And we see her like falling all around an academic environment. But like seeing somebody like sword fighting, which first of all, we never saw her sword fight. Right. She used daggers. It's fine. But also like, uh, I don't know. It just, it was really goofy. And it felt very much like uh, underwritten. And that's, yeah, I think you're totally right. And it's like, all so all this plot is being thrown at them. Uh, Rick and Evie are, uh, are hired by the British government to take a huge gem called the Eye of Shangri-La back to China as a show of goodwill um, that, uh, you know, the, the Brits took all this stuff out of China. Now they're returning things. Um, and so they go, they end up crossing paths with their son who has found the dragon emperor. Uh, inevitably, the dragon emperor comes to life, right? 
Um, Oops. They're forced to bring him to life by people who want to use him and his army to take over the world for question mark reasons. And that's the thing. I guess in original drafts of this, there was a lot of World War II of it all, um, where the villains were the Axis and they wanted the, you know, the Dragon Emperor's help to take over China as part of it was all very convoluted, but it's like what ends up happening is there's just this sort of like vague um, evil general in in our, in like real time and his like girlfriend and they who like, has a scar yes, because she's evil she's bad and um and yeah they are like the whole country's in chaos and we need a dragon emperor to come fix it all yeah it it like in making on screen roles for Chinese actors who can like also speak in Mandarin which is just like it, it it like then becomes a weird thing about like for the glory of China, we want to <laughs> raise the dead. It's like, what are we I doing? No, yeah. I don't like that. That's just something weird. <laughs> that makes me feel weird. <laughs> and there's, um, there's like, there's like the, uh, the obvious love story between um, Alex and um, the daughter of the witch we saw before. Um, we don't. Yeah. We think that she's just some random cutie girl. Yes. There's a, I looked it up. I think a, an eight minute long fight scene yeah. that felt like 30 Truly um, that she kind of shows up out of nowhere and is like, hi, I'm a girl and then helps him in the action scene. We don't know who she is. We just know that they're kind of hitting it off. Yeah. Um, there's a, in, this takes place in Shanghai. Jonathan is back. Cue oh, audience yes. response of, yay, cool. Um, <laughs> I'm screaming, but <laughs> It like and he's reduced to a real just like pull the string in the back and say something stupid. <laughs> like, it is a bummer. Yeah, he is a doll. He is a he is a baby dinosaur, not the mama doll of himself. It really is like he uh he's talking about treasure the way I've seen drunk people talk about pizza. Yes. It's like, I need that. I could use that. These are some of the lines. Everybody talk about your favorite treasure. Can I see that treasure? This yak threw up. Uh, uh, one of his lines is the yak yacked. Which he is spends a bummer. Fucked up. He spends most of the movie talking either to himself about something he sees that he wants while going yes. goo goo gaga or talking to a yak. And he tells the yak, if only I met a lady like you, which is yeah. something that was in a big movie. Um, yeah. So just think about that. He, I mean, I guess the defining like plottiness of him in this one is that he's opened a casino in Shanghai. Yes. Um, that is themed after the mummy movies. The waitresses all have an Aksuna moon body paint. Um, that's what he's like capitalizing off this adventure. He said, and the nightclub is called Imhotep's. Imhotep's, which is fine. The one cameo we get. Oh, and by this point in the movie, I'm like, we've spent all of our time indoors in rainy areas. Yeah. And that's not what I come to the mummy for. No. Um, we see Brendan Fraser. He's wearing a fedora and like a Dick Tracy suit, which is like, I don't want to see him wear a hat. I want to see the hair. Right. I want to see suspenders. I want to see pants that sit at the natural waist. I agree. I, I, I don't want to see a suit on him. That's such a bummer. I know. And I know we're, we're keeping him in the, in the place that we feel comfortable, but if there was a way to update him in this movie, this film did not do it well. No, I, I do. I would have loved to see the, some world war two version of it. Yes. I get that it was dicey, but like, and this is much more streamlined, but I don't know that it's better. Yeah. Like I, seeing the two of them as like, fighting the Nazis. It just, it feels like it goes full circled back to Indiana Jones. Right. Right. Um, but I understand. Hi everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of office hours live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian, Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Mdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app.
so Anna, who is the monster in this movie? The monster is the emperor, mm-hmm. played by Jet Li, who's like gorgeous, yes. but his he's not costumed like he's hot. I think that they don't know that he's hot. They really don't. Which happened in the first Mummy movies, where but I think they accidentally made like we still found our way to finding the people hot who they didn't know were hot, yeah. like Ardeth Bay and Imhotep. But they 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 did Jet Li a little bit dirty. I have to say, I think he could have he could have had. His, his shirt cut off or something. I don't know. And he's mostly CGI. Yes. That's the other thing. And I remember this from the, the reviews at the time talking about how he has such little screen time. It's nuts. Um, my main issue with the movie is that the monster is CGI for most of it. He comes back. I will say that the moment that he, the monster is resurrected was cool and unexpected. They open his tomb and then uh, Lynn, the the daughter of the witch, plunges a knife into the heart of a mummy. And then nothing happens. And she's like, wait a minute. This is a decoy. She says, this is a eunuch, which I love that the word eunuch is in I know. A, a summer blockbuster. But <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is a eunuch. The audience goes, oh. Mom? Yeah. Um, and she goes, where is he? And then from the, it's like in a uh, horse-drawn carriage statue and the horseback rider the head breaks open and there's two little mummy hands inside the head very good which is so cool and unexpected you don't expect there to be hands in a head yep you really don't think about that and um and so yeah like so he has he can make fire come out he can do ice things i feel a problem is that they keep saying at periods of the movie what his powers are and there's no method to it like at one point, they're like, he can turn into the most horrible things you've ever seen. And he's a wizard. And, you know, like, it just keeps stacking up to the point where it's like, I got what Imhotep's deal was. Imhotep is a mummy and he wants his girl. Yes. The end. This was like, and it, the, like, as soon as the 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 mummy steps into the Lake of Shangri-La. Yep. And then you see Jet Li's face and you're like, yay, it's Jet Li. And then you see two more Jet Li faces and you're then like, they huh? turn into a dragon and it's yeah. a three-headed dragon. You're like... What the hell? Yeah. I've been sitting here for so since the prologue waiting for Jet Li and now it's what? Jet Li is an amazing fighter. There's some I have to say there were some really cool fight scenes in this movie. That's true. But that's not that's not the monster version of him. Like they took it a step further cuz he was the three-headed dragon then he was this like kind of bummery cat thing. Yeah, it's um which he turns into twice. Right. It's like a it's like a protector lion dog that you see in a lot of um Chinese artwork. And folk art and it's like he turns into it twice i also think it's like kind of a bastardized bastardization of like what that creature is so yeah just to like turn it into like an evil monster is like maybe we didn't do maybe we didn't do our full research on this yeah it's like it's one thing to have only white guys in palo alto doing like what they think of ancient egyptian <laughs> religion because it's not so much practiced anymore, but like it's like a still existing culture when you're like, eh, probably that, right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Like I, not not a great process. I mean, Anna, we also have to mention a secondary monster in this film, in addition to skeletons oh. and, and terracotta warriors. Listen, th- and I have to say this monster worked. I agree. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, were- gentle listeners, this film features Yetis. Multiple yetis, lots of yetis, unnamed yetis. Unnamed, but they're helpers. They help. And they do. And like the thing with the yetis is that they're very cat looking. Yeah. Which to me conflicted with the thing Jet Li turned into twice. Right, it's right. very feline, but not lionish. It just looked like a house cat in the face, which I wasn't expecting. Because to me, a Yeti is like a dude face. Yeah. And I, I think it's like, I, I, I will say at the very least, they kind of made yetis their own which I appreciated. Yes. Um, I, I also think the Yeti's very good toys, you know, yeah, that's they true. look like toys. You could have a stuffed animal version of it, but you can also have action figures. They do a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, this could be on the ride. Yep. I mean, there is no ride for the, the, <laughs> can you imagine? the mummy, the tomb of the dragon empire. I think they should have called it the mummy three. Yeah. I'm sorry. The movie took a while to give us a mummy boy. And it's called the mummy. And terracotta warriors are cool. There was like mummies for a moment, but then when the mummy's resurrected, he turns into a terracotta warrior and then we get a dragon and then we get yetis. And then 
right towards the end, we get a bunch of bunnies, which is nice. Yes. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. That, like, Anna, you and I texted back and forth about this because we watched the first half together and then we watched the second half by ourselves. This movie has a moment that I found very moving and and very like, what's the word? I was like, I was like goosebumped. I was mm-hmm. thrilled. Where Michelle Yeoh has sacrificed her immortality to bring all of the people who uh, the Dragon Emperor had wronged, uh, who are buried at the base of the Great Wall of China, to life to fight him and his terracotta army. Yes. Yes. And you know what? They should have given her more to do because her scenes worked. Yes. And that moment I was like, oh, this movie didn't realize that what this movie probably should have been is like Evie has a friendship with this witch who she thinks is like another scholar and then realizes like, oh, this is an immortal sorceress. You know, that thing where you think you made a friend and then you realize they're 2000 years old. Yes. And you're like, Does that affect this? And it like it gives her a um, it gives her kind of a, a, a analogous Ardeth Bay that Rick had in the first two movies. Yeah, that's true. Because, um, yeah, we just needed more Michelle Yeoh in this. We really did. Because she co- she has that thing that Arnold Vasu had in the first movie where they commit hard to the craziness of what's happening right but they also have the chops as an actor to make it work yeah and i'm aware that michelle yo is a is an icon and that arnold vaslu was in charmed and also very good <laughs> i'm not equating them i'm just saying that they both the reason that both of those parts quote unquote worked was because of that quality yes that's backed up by talent Anna, I know the answer to this, but I feel that you might be the one to have to share it um, about what Ebert thought about this movie. He gave it three stars. <sighs> I, I haven't even looked at it because I'm mad, but I, I can start reading it. Please. Moviegoers who knowingly buy a ticket for the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor are going to get exactly what they expect. There is a mummy, a tomb, a dragon, and an emperor. And the movie about them is all that it could be. If you think The Mummy, the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor sounds like a waste of time, don't waste yours. I, as it happens, have time to waste and cannot do better than to quote from my review of The Mummy. There's hardly a thing I can say in its favor except that I was cheered by nearly every minute of it. Okay, he's quoting himself. Weird. Yes, weird. I, I did like his review for The Mummy. Right. But um, I was not, however, pleased by The Mummy Returns, which, just to remind us, he gave two stars. Right. Um... Although it inspired one of my funnier reviews. Ebert's being weird. Don't be... uh, Uncle Ebert, please. I was funny, remember? Um, But the mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, is the best in the series. And from the looks of it, the most expensive, which is true. This movie was $145 That is for sure. Now, why did I like this movie? It was just plain dumb fun is why. It is absurd and preposterous and proud of it. The heroes maintain their ability to think of banal cliches, even in the most strenuous situations, which just Anna cutting in for a second. I think the banal cliches of this movie were like a hundred thousand times what it was in the first movie. And I think the first movie they were cleverer and made and much more restrained. Yes. Yes. And I'm mad that he doesn't agree with me. So here's my thing with this movie. I think it was uh, kind of boomer bait a little bit. Uh I think like, Historical swashbuckling stuff that feels like, is it Flash Gordon? Yeah, very Flash Gordon. Yeah, Yeah, like it it does all of the swashbuckling stuff. But something that I couldn't help but notice with this movie is that, at least in the first two movies, there's a lot of gun stuff. But as the series goes along, as the trilogy goes along, in The Mummy Returns, you have Ardeth Bay saying, I prefer the Thompson. And there's more like, we're talking about guns. In the first movie, they don't like, label the guns not a gun commercial there are guns but it's happening in the context of like fun action that leads to something spooky in the desert right that for me is like it 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 gets past guns guns are like a garnish this movie was like i know the audience wants to see lots of guns yeah people talking about the guns like there's literally a big dick contest like joking about between Brent, yes. uh, Rick and his son so about like I have weird. this one it's bigger well experience matters more than size um, it's like, like I don't as a father 
you should not be discussing member size with your son. And as a son, you should not be discussing your sexual conquests over your dad's weird fight to have. It's classic, like only child of two chaotic parents to like talk too much about <laughs> sex good. and penises. But like uh, the there are like the gun scenes there, at least in the mummy, most of the gun scenes are like humans shooting guns at skeletons, yeah. which is great. This movie had so much of mortal humans shooting at other mortal humans, which for vast stretches of the movie made it feel like not a mummy movie. It made it feel, it it was also, it had a different cinematographer and it made it feel, it looked like a James Bond movie. Wow. Because it was a lot of like, we're in casinos, we're in London, it's raining. Um, It's just, uh, which I also understand that like, I'm sure Brennan Fraser was like, please don't make me go to the desert for so long. That mm-hmm. it hurts my eyeballs. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's very challenging, but um, it just didn't feel like, did not feel like mummy. And it felt like aggressive, mean action movie. Like we were really losing. It, also, I have to say something else I noticed is that Brennan Fraser's voice sounded different in this movie. Anna, I was about to say this and I feel as though he was directed to speak lower to show that he's aging and it's a huge mistake. Weird. Oh, that would make sense. I was like, did he have like vocal surgery or something? Like, I don't know it, but if they did not change his appearance that much and I'm betting you that, that he was instructed to try to sound older. It's. It did sound like he was trying to sound like the character after playing, after being in like eight years of other movies. Yeah, and he doesn't. I think it's like the presence of an adult son makes him not have a lot of fun. Like it. It just. You want to see the kind of roguish, exhausted Rick O'Connell, and this is more of just like if you had a dad who's a bummer, um, telling you how to like fix your car. Yes, like there. There was a scene way later into it where he says, I've been trying to be a good husband and I've been trying to be a good parent and I've been dropping the ball lately. Mm -hmm. And while he was saying it, I was rolling my eyes so hard and I couldn't wait to talk shit about it. And then while I was hating it up in my brain, down in my heart, I was feeling something. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I get that. Has never happened to me before. Um, Like usually I stop hating it and then start loving it. But this was like, while I was still hating it, I loved it. (laughs) And it was something that I was really craving, which is like... What you talked about for Mummy Returns, the, you know, it's not easy being a dad. Like, that's what we need. It's a family movie. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, like, there is a lot of conflict that happens when you're college age with your parents. Like, that that should have been where we started. But we we go so long before we get to the characters and before we get to the mummies. And that's why these movies are successful. And that is, I like you and I both had a back and forth that the last half hour of the movie is is actually quite fun. Yes. Um. And but but so much of the good faith that I think the audience would have for it has been worn out by the first hour and a half. Yeah. Um. That you're just like, oh, I don't recognize any of this, and the stuff that was familiar is not being done in what feels like a respectful way, or things feel old or played out. Um, but as soon as we get to them, like fighting skeletons and mummies and Yeti, like that stuff is great. That's why we're there. And we're there to see like the human story within this like bonkers universal monsters world. Yeah. I think like, I think it just was that the, the culture became cheesier around this time in history in 2008. Oh yeah. And I think that Brennan Fraser, his later career was really impacted by that cheesiness. Like there's a part where the Yeti, two Yetis team up to get a bad guy and then when it happens, they both pump their arms like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, this is when we were all buying T-shirts at Walmart that said, like, suck at England yeah. for 4th of July. Like, this was a every year on 4th of July, you got a shirt that said Old Navy, Old Navy and the year it was. Yes. Like this, this was the, this was the culture that produced two Yetis going, we did it. Yeah. Memes were just really taking off and people really appreciated them. Yes, they did. And I do think this movie is a, a a very straight film, but I will say I have a list and I believe you do as well. Asking, I have an extremely long list. Same. I mean, let's talk oh about God, what's gay about this movie. What's gay? Do you want to go back and forth? Let's do back and forth. Okay, great. What's gay about this movie? Maria Bello playing Rachel Vice. That's gay. <laughs> That's gay. Telling all your friends with ponytails to prepare for war. <laughs> That's gay. Yep. Writing a book is gay. Writing a book. Getting mad at your witch friend for betraying you. 
Okay. <laughs> the line, I cursed you in your army. That's good. <laughs> Showing up virtually unrecognizable to your own book signing. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Naming a nightclub after someone who choked you out and tried to kill your sister. <laughs> That's okay. <good. laughs> uh, saying your only enemies are time and age. It's <laughs> extremely gay. Right. A diamond covered in snakes is gay. Oh, that's gay. Um, decapitating an older man who wants to spend time with you. Gay. <laughs> gay. Giving Michelle Yeoh an ultimatum is gay. <laughs> Trying to kill the beautiful woman your hot straight coworker just met. Gay. <laughs> um, a statue looking at a map and saying, why did you raise me is gay. <laughs> and the line, why did you raise me? Also gay. Your parents fighting over whether or not they smothered you as a kid on the roof of the bar you're currently in. <laughs> an episode of Girls yep. is gay. Um, a mummy covered in terracotta is gay. Oh my God, yeah. Pottery. Um, the line, soon all our training and exercise will result in great fruit. Gay. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> you win. You win the whole summer. <laughs> It's all for Fire Island. It all is for Fire Island. We'll eat oh when God. we die. Yeah. Um, needing to find the pool of eternal life. Oh, gay. Um, you're like saying, I need to get in a pool or I'm literally going to die. It's gay. <laughs> um, this, the line, I live to serve you, sir, and will help you live forever. Gay. <laughs> Deglazing vegetables with scotch in an airplane. <laughs> gay. Um, the line, spank my ass, Rick. Put me out. <laughs> Who says that? Jonathan? Jonathan. Everyone is begging Rick to do things to him. Yeah. This is that was the success of Indiana Jones is that they knew that he was really hot. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Um repeatedly going on vacation with your sister and her husband and their kid. <laughs> Pulling your face off to throw it a twink. <laughs> was that to Alex? That was yeah. Um uh general or the the emperor pulls the terracotta off his face and then throws it and it hits out. It hit, it hit. I was walking around doing <laughs> stuff during this movie, I gotta say. Um the line, you know, I've had my fair share of experience with the opposite sex. <laughs> the line, go Geraldine, be free. <laughs> the line, hey mom, I'm sorry I blamed you guys for raising the emperor. That's straight. <laughs> that is straight. Um, and I think this is my last one. Causing drama because you invited too many people over to an older bear thruples winter home. <laughs> That's gay. That's gay. Andrew, I don't know how to tell you this, but I have 20 more. Oh, I'm my God, go please. Really fast. Um, okay. The line, my mother is under the impression there's something between us is gay. <gasps> Being on a mountain is gay. Flying a plane is gay. <laughs> Saying, it's not easy being me to a yak is gay. <laughs> Trying to find Shangri-La and finding it kind of right away. <laughs> the line, prove yourself to me. Hot. Mm -hmm, it's hot. not anything. It's just hot. Yeah. Summoning yetis to solve a problem for your new boyfriend is straight. Very straight. Lighting dynamite and immediately saying, time for a retreat is gay. <laughs> not telling anyone that your mother is Michelle Yeoh is gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite so far. <laughs> Dragging your dying father into a glitter pool is gay. Okay. The line, I would have died by his hand if the Yeti had not found me and brought me to this pool. Oh my okay. God. The line, I'm afraid we can't be together because I'm going to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> a spa treatment that's supposed to make you look youthful, but instead turns you into a three-headed dragon. <laughs> Coming back from the dead and immediately going to work? That's straight. That is straight, yeah. The 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 emperor is resuscitated and immediately turns into a dragon and goes to the army. And oh you gotta, my god. You gotta work. The line, bring down the wrath of the oppressed on this emperor and all who serve him. That's gay. That is gay. Um, Michelle Yeoh giving a dramatic monologue to skeletons is gay. <laughs> Brandon Fraser speaking Mandarin on a green screen. Not gay or straight, just something to think about. <laughs> Jet Li stabbing Michelle Yeoh with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> Lighting torches with your mind for no one is yeah. gay. There's a scene where Jetley walks with his arms outstretched and just lights the torches, and it's very queer. <laughs> the line, now you can rule in hell, oh. is gay. And that's it. That is it. I, Anna, that was a really good list. I didn't expect this movie to be quite so gay, but it it, it, it was a sneaker gay. I think because it was expensive. 
And I think the yeah. more, the higher the price point sometimes, <laughs> the more it lends itself to queerness. And I can't believe it. We've we've finished the Mummy franchise. Um I, it hurts. It hurts. I wish there were more. And and you know what? I think there's a distinct possibility, Anna, that one day we will do this again. <laughs> I I think we will. I, I could do an entire podcast just about the mummy, and I I think that the entire listenership would just be me. Yeah. But, but but sometimes the ones for us are the most important ones, you know? That's true. Andrew, thank you so much for keeping us on track. Oh my gosh. I feel my like pleasure. I want to talk about a thousand things and you really you keep it you keep it focused. Oh, which well, is nice. I, I appreciate that. I'm so grateful to have the most knowledgeable um mummy franchise scholar that exists uh to host a podcast with. Oh, that's you. Oh, no. Um, Anna, next week, I believe, will be our last Stephen Summer Summer installment for now. I can't believe it. I'm not ready for it to be done. We will be watching the 2013 film, Odd Thomas. Odd Thomas, you know. Um, Again, if you have, if you want to get in on the ground floor, I have not seen this film. Anna, have you seen it? I, I don't know anything about it. Okay. Aside from it. And who's in it? Great. Yeah, let's keep it that way. I kind of like being surprised. Same. Um, and if you know anything about that movie, if you worked crafty on it uh, or anything like that, please do let us know. We love getting intel. Yes, we we already got a couple, a little bit of intel. If you have any intel, send us all the intel. We love it. Um, I love it. Anna, it has been a treat as always. It's been such a treat. Andrew, um, you are the host of this podcast. So you already do this, but other people can um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scary story underscore pod and send us your scary stories at scary story story at gmail.com. And another thing you can do, get, get out. out forever. Dog. This has been a forever dog production. Scary stories to tell on the pod is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Chris Ryan. Cover art by Bats Langley. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. 